This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. So, Jeff, you've, you've gone through quite a journey to break into real estate. You started off in, in studying finance and going into corporate finance, wealth management, private equity. And then you um, went ahead and got your brokerage license uh, specializing in residential. And then you joined a couple of funds of different sizes and scale. And then you started investing yourself. Um, that's a lot of exposure. And often people just go through one of these paths. Did you, what, what, what experience did you find in particular was the most helpful for your understanding? Did you learn more buying with your own money? Did you learn more during the internships? Did you learn more during studying? What, what advice do you have for anyone that wants to break into real estate as an, as a principal and investor? Absolutely. So I, I would answer this in two parts. The most help and understanding I had while working at these large funds and businesses was kind of corporate structure, operations. Uh, and these are very important things for, you know, once you start a business. But I think the second part of this is that there is no substitution for getting your hands dirty. And I firmly believe that. And it's something I kind of saw myself where, you know, I thought I was the smartest guy in the world because I worked alongside all of these large multifamily owners. But when I started doing my own deals, I was like, you know, something as simple as like, Oh my God, I, I don't know what a toilet costs. I, I have no idea what a sink costs. I don't know what cabinetry in a kitchen costs because my experience was limited to underwriting these deals, understanding the financials, seeing it from the capital market side and kind of the institutional side. I, I almost kind of skipped the stepping stones one, two, and three, went straight to a hundred. And yeah. I think it's very important, you know, to to like I said, get your hands dirty and learn from your mistakes. And you know, I can't in, in, emphasize enough how good it felt to go into a Home Depot with my credit card and load up a shopping cart full of, you know, tiles and floors and backsplash and toilets and, you know, go through the, the labor costs with my general contractor and really seeing, you know, as much as real estate is a sophisticated capital business, it's still a very much hands-on business that requires a lot of labor, a lot of input, a lot of physical work, and a lot of, you know, material goods. And, you know, being a good investor developer requires you to have kind of that perfect mix of understanding of capital, understanding of debt and, and return metrics and financing, but also having a very good understanding of cost of materials, cost of labor. You know, what is it? What is turnover cost? You know, when a tenant leaves, what is three buckets of paint cost to make the unit look nice again? And so my advice to people is the sooner you can get started on your own in any capacity, whether that's you know, and it doesn't require money. You don't need to have money to be involved. If you can get your real estate license and sell a small house to somebody that they're going to renovate, rather than take a commission, ask them if you can put that money into the deal with them and partner with them and be involved in every step of the way. And you will learn, you know, almost 10 times what it takes in this business by just being there and being present than you would ever being behind a computer screen and, and dealing with investors and banks. Yeah, totally agree with that. When I tried to break into real estate, I was uh, started out as an LP, uh, investing in different funds. And the advice I got from uh, one of the funds uh, GPs was very interesting. It was like, you know, if you have the patience and you really want to get into this, go buy a property, manage it yourself. And it's not until you get 
cooled up at 3 a.m. because the toilet's flooding and because there's a pest control issue and because, you know, the tenant hasn't paid their rent and the bank's calling you, you know, you need to cover the mortgage. It's not until then you'll realize what goes on to running an actual property in the operations. You can create all the fancy spreadsheets you want in the world. You can come up with the best investor-facing IRR, but execution on the ground uh, is what truly matters. And that really stuck with me. And I, I started buying single family. I started buying multifamily. I started doing construction loans, investing in everything. I mean, sort of like you, it took a different path into real estate. And nothing sure. beats when you've got your own skin in the game. Yep. When you can't defer to someone else, the buck stops with you, yep. right? And suddenly you're overwhelmed. You're like, I, I don't know what, what color or what material we should use for the siding on this building. But will it, you know, what's the pros and cons until you understand, like you said, you know, you're at Home Depot loading up your shopping cart with with toilets, right? You, yep. you can't appreciate what this game is made out of. So I, I, I that's the advice I, I would also give, which is bottoms up. Mm-hmm. Get your hands dirty, put some money into a project where you can be hands-on. Even if, you, like you've suggested, get your real estate license and roll that commission into a deal. But just get moving. Um, there's a lot of safety, right? Human beings are very logical. There's a lot of safety. And I'm not criticizing your path. I mean, I think you just admitted yourself, right? Like getting hands-on is better than following a structured plan. There's a lot yep. of safety in coming up with, I'll go study real estate at MIT. Fantastic course, by the way. I've met a lot of people from there, right? Yep. Um, I'll go get a job at a big LP uh, or sorry, a big GP, right? I'll buy multifamily. I'll buy workforce. I'll buy residential. None of that matters until you're on the ground and you're doing the hard work yourself. So, Absolutely. Uh, amen. Totally agree with that advice. That, that, that would be my very opinionated way in. It looks like you found an agreement with you here too. Absolutely. So talk to me about getting your real estate license. That's something people think a lot about. Should I get a real estate license if I want to break into real estate? Um, you know, I, I've heard many things. One view is th- there's no point trying to get a real estate license to save on the commission you know, and, and frankly, sometimes people don't like dealing with you as a real estate broker. They'd prefer to work with you when you've got representation. And brokers, you know, should be independent. And others say, no, you know, you can build your empire. You can cut that 6% or 3% down. What's your thoughts? What's your advice there? So I think a lot of your listeners are, are very eager to hear the question and the answer to, do I need my real estate license to be in real estate? And the answer is an absolutely hard no. You do not need your real estate license <laughs> right. to be successful in real estate. Some of the most successful people I know do not have the real estate license. And frankly, they- Or, 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 they, or I'll add, they have a real estate license, but they don't even use it, you know? Correct. And it's, it's sitting in escrow somewhere and they have no idea what the status is of it. Look, I think that- Real estate licensure is an important component and stepping stone if that's a path that you've identified that you can take to break into the other side. I will not, you know, look, the other side of this is people look at, you know, the celebrity real estate agents of the world, the Ryan Serhants, the million dollar listing groups and say, I don't want to touch toilets and deal with tenants, but I love the concept of walking into a building and selling it. Absolutely get your real estate license at that point. Find a good broker who's going to hold your hand where you can learn and apprentice and intern under and become the best in your market. Uh, You know, some of the most successful investors I know in the Philly region specific started as a residential realtor at a Keller Williams, who then segued their way into dealing with small time investors and duplexes and really learn their way of how the investor thinks and works and and looks at deals, they were able to replicate that and say, okay, I've made enough commission selling this. I see what all my clients do. Let me get into this myself. And so, you know, I I think that 
Getting your license is a good stepping stone. I don't think you need it to be successful in this game. But I also think that by being in investment sales, you get into that network. So there, there's, there's two ways of breaking into the network. There's the way that I did it where I was working with all these institutional groups. And by doing so, you begin to interact and network with a lot of these LP investors, a lot of brokers, and your network of real estate people grows that way. The second way is you don't get an institutional real estate job at a school. Maybe you're doing something you don't like now, and now you want to get into this real estate game. You go get your license. You go under a brokerage that has an arm specializing in investment sales. You learn the business. You learn how deals are underwritten. And then you will, by default, without even knowing it, you will start getting in the same room as investors, as investment brokers, as property managers. And you just grow your network that way. And you really kind of see which side of the business you want to go to. So I, I will say that the real estate license does open doors. But by no means is it a cheat code or a magic pill that you swallow that, you know, you end up kind of being in the game. It's kind of like a college degree. You, you know, you, it's all about the person. You get your real estate license, you don't want to do anything else, then you're going to be sitting on your couch with a real estate license. So it's really up to the person. You don't need it to be successful, but it is a good stepping stone and it is a good way to open the door. Obviously for you with the startup, it's very convenient to have that license because you can, you, you know, you're in the industry in some ways, it puts you closer to it and you're a tech enabled brokerage ultimately. So yep. it makes a lot of sense, but otherwise to break into investment, I, I agree. You know, there's a couple of critical roles that you get in, in making it in multifamily investing. Uh, one side is raising money from people. The other side is hunting deals. And then a completely different side is operating, managing and development. All three are very different skill sets. If you're not sure where you want to go, I guess I would say go 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 see what you like. Right. Uh, some personalities are much better um, are much better tailored to hunting, finding deals, calling people up, you know, uh, versus the sophistication of you know creating investor facing materials and and working with institutional investors or even you know family office investors or high net worth individuals versus you know, dealing with the minutiae and detail of, of how, how to manage the asset itself, the Absolutely. rents, the refurbishments, the the management and collections of, of rents and everything. Do you, do you think that's a, a fair comment? And is, is that a fair way to break down, you know, three kick, three big categories of, of where people can build skill sets? Would you add anything to that or are you in agreement there? I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I would also add that, you know, if you can nail down a niche in this business that you like and own that, you will ultimately be the most successful version of yourself because you don't want to be, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. You know, if you look at the most successful people in, in real estate, if you just put it as an umbrella term, they have a very specific focus. You know, this guy is the largest, uh, you know, debt broker who specializes in single tenant net leases, you know, in the Sunbelt. And he is the go-to guy, that is his brand. This guy is the you know largest urban infill developer, class A uh, property owner who builds, you know, he sets the comps. You know, we have a group here in Philadelphia that they go into a market, you know, the average per square foot rent is 350. These guys literally go and lease up their building at five bucks a square foot because they have product like no one else has seen. And you think you're in a six star hotel resort when you walk into their lobby. And so if you kind of own and, and identify, and this is not something that people need to do early on. This is, I think, a byproduct of being in the space, networking, seeing what you don't like, because, you know, 
it took me five years of being an institutional apartment, you know, owner uh, groups to understand that I don't like institutional real estate because I don't have the patience to hopefully become a partner when I'm 55 years old. And so to me, I get more excitement and, you know, it gets me out of bed in the morning to know that, you know, somebody might send me a deal that costs $80,000. And I'm going to have way more fun working on that than I would when I worked on an $80 million deal at my last company. I think it's definitely, you need to own the niche that you like, and that will come as a result of seeing what you don't like. In some ways, you start generalist to gain exposure, pick, pick an area, become a specialist, crush it so big that your specialism turns into a generalism, you know, where you own the asset class entirely. Uh, there's a lot of danger in listening to um, other podcasts where, where people come on and, and, you know, they glamorize multifamily investing and T, T1 markets. And as a listener, you can easily walk out feeling like, okay, I, I need to own lots of multifamily in, in California and Texas. And that's the wrong way to go about it because then you're competing with massive institutional investors who built their way to where they are block by block, dollar by dollar, right? You just can't compete with that infrastructure, the vendor relationships they come with, the access to capital, the return you know, profile is going to be a lot lower for them than it is for you because they, they have that track record and there's less risk. Focus on a niche. I, I love that comment. And there's no shortages of niches. And niches might just be, I buy in the zip code. I know this market inside out. Or yep. it could be, you know, asset classes like strip malls. It could yep. be car washes. It could be certain types of hospitality assets or even something more emerging. Um, so to totally agree there. And I think um, that's where a lot of people trip up and screw up. They try to be too general too quickly. And uh, they don't develop any core comp- any core competence or any secret advantage. Yep. And you know, one of the things that I really respect is is kind of the, one of the groups I was working for um, that kind of had that valuation approach where it doesn't matter what the market price is. This is where we're buyers. Uh, that discipline, you know, by sticking to their roots. Since I mean, they were a forty year old business, and they never veered outside of their core competency. And just by doing that. You know, the the chairman, the CEO, they could walk onto a deal, be there for four seconds and without ever opening a spreadsheet, tell you if it's going to be a good deal or a bad deal. And that's just something that comes with owning your expertise. And I think a lot of people can attest to this. If you buy single family rentals that are in disrepair in one zip code, you know, you can know off of three variables in a text message if you're going to spend any more time on this deal. And that is, you know, I'm a core believer in spending your time and allocating your time where you have the most return. And if you have a core competency in one asset class, and this is where you make money and you can do it with your eyes closed. Yes, there is maybe some merit to going outside of their comfort zone and finding new types of deals. But, you know, if you and I were buying single family rentals, we know exactly what two material costs are. We know what our general contractor charges. Why would we ever go and buy a car wash in Indianapolis? We don't know the cost of running it. We don't know the, the you know the expense ratio. So you're basically going to take away all this opportunity cost of searching for better deals in your area that you know because you decided to, to, that you want to be a generalist. So wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. I think there's a time and place where you expand outside of your comfort zone, but I think that's once you nail down kind of what you own. And it's almost like once you're quote unquote bored of it, right? So if you've done very well, you've done enough deals to know exactly what it is. And now you really kind of have the infrastructure in place to be able to afford to go kind of dabble in something else. I think that's when you do it. 
But, you know, I think my advice in, in, in this would be kind of what I tested to earlier is own, own a space, see what brings you enjoyment, right? And, you know, I think something else that's important is don't go where the returns are. You know, it doesn't matter that a cap rate on a, you know, con, you know a, a, a motel in a sub-tertiary market is higher than a cap rate on a class A apartment building in, you know, a small town. Because at the end of the day, you have to, you know, a lot of these things you take with a grain of salt. And then we could do a whole two-hour podcast on the fact that a lot of these deals are misrepresented anyway. Um, but I think you need to go where you kind of naturally know how to wrap your mind around. And by doing so, you will do better than most of the people who are just, you know, hunting for yield, hunting for where the highest return is going to be. Because at the end of the day, it's a very efficient market. And real estate, in my mind, is fairly priced unless it's very, very distressed. And so you need to be where, you know, where you think you have a better understanding.